everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. We're gonna record. Basically, Amelia slipped on what we what looked like a leaf, <laughs> a massive poo under it, right? And I, I genuinely like it's not even that funny, but I almost peed myself. Like it was, it was bad. And we were like, "How does this still happen at this age?" But no, it's honestly it made me laugh so much. I love it. It's just something about James because he's so big. He was like on his office floor in the field position. <laughs> Oh, like, oh my god, are you okay? And as soon as I had him, be like, yeah. <laughs> now I can laugh at you. Yeah, you have to wait until you know that they're they're actually okay, and then you're like, this is hilarious. I literally like it's the funniest since I oh now I can talk about it since I got pregnant. I fall over all the time now. It's bizarre, and I thought it's what happened at the end when women like weren't used to their size or changing gravity or whatever. But like it just keeps happening. I'm just completely accident prone. It's ridiculous. That's quite worrying, babe. It's like the, the time where you don't want to be accident prone. I know, right? That's the thing. Like I, I, so I spoke to my sisters-in-law, all of them about it, and they were like, "Yeah, I went to hospital like three times because of falling." And I was like, "Okay, cool." That is worrying. Right? Okay, we're we're live now. Hi guys. I hope you're all enjoying Storm Eunice. I feel like there's two. Is it Eunice or I'm so confused by which one it is? So we were Googling this this morning, or Amelia was, because she was like, why are all storms called female names? And apparently, huh? There's Eunice and Dudley. There's two. I don't know which one today is. I'm a bit confused. You speak. I'm going to find out. Oh, they do it in alphabetical order, don't they? So how is there a D and a U? What do you mean? What? Don't they name the storms in alphabetical order? Well, I don't know, but it was Storm Dudley, or one is Storm Dudley, but this, the big one, Storm U. Yeah, I actually really Um, like the name. Really? You're like, no. What? I don't know. I mean, any Eunice is listening, it's fine. It's a fine (laughs) name. It's fine. Um... So yeah, go, so talk to me about, um, what was I going to ask you to talk to me about? You've just started telling me something and I wanted you to... Oh, the connection is very dodged today, isn't it? <laughs> is it? It might be, um, it might be because of the storm. It might is be. Is that a thing? I don't know. So, I don't know. Um, should we just get on with questions then? Yeah, do we have anything on the live? We've just got Kantan. Hi, Kantan. She just says, hi, Lush ladies. By the way, it's Eunice today. Eunice. Which one was Dudley? I'm so confused by this. Dudley. What were you saying this morning about the naming of female storms? Hold, hold on. This just in from my co-presenter, Amelia. Do you have some news for us today? Yes. Although, will this work into AirPods? 
Because men often considered women unpredictable, vengeful, or generally stormy, the men at the US Weather Bureau were myopic in their decision to continue only using feminine names for storms. How about that, patriarchy? Is that, I mean, but surely there are male named storms. Well, that's what I thought. And then all we came up with this morning was Hurricane Katrina was a female. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to feed it into that narrative too too much having not really done my research i mean we've not either we've literally just googled it but do you get male names i mean i get honestly at the top of my head you know if someone was to say storm something i would know which storm they're talking about but off the top of my head i don't know i it's not my okay there have been hurricanes david frederick alan gilbert hugo yeah exactly this is what i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of this going around and I'm like I think we should fact check before we keep perpetuating okay so quick fact check there are in fact male storms yeah yeah I'm just I've got the questions no I have not got the questions I've got a different post hang on let me get up the questions anything else in the live and then we'll go no we're good to go okay Annabelle, hi ladies. First of all, I've loved the process over the last four weeks, namely the flexibility and also the whole idea of moderation and imperfect action. I'm really looking forward to the last four weeks. This was two weeks ago. I'm pretty sure there's two weeks left. Um, I have two questions. Firstly, please, can you, oh no, we've done that. We've done that, metabolism. Sorry guys, we've done that. Catherine, I am postmenopausal and over 60. Is there an additional dietary or exercise advice? We've done that. <laughs> I actually, I don't think these are repeat questions. I think they're just similar questions. Um, or are we just reading out the same question? No, 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 they're not. They're because they're not. They're not the same. But they're the. They are the same questions from different people. Oh, okay. um, Sarah, I hope that you both had a great weekend. Uh, looking for some mindset hacks to stop me from procrastinating, redoing my workouts, and even finding them a bit more fun. I find working out at home very dull, even with my most favorite playlist. I'm the same as you. Sometimes I find it it's so much more convenient that I actually really enjoy it. But at times where I could be at the gym and I'm not, I don't. I much prefer I much prefer being in a gym space. Um, I would, I would say a good way to tackle it is some, some caffeine, some added energy, some music. So you get into like a really good headspace with it. Um, and you know, yeah, there's nothing else. Look, everybody, most people who love to work out, love to work out at a gym, in my experience. Um, a lot of people who work out at home are scared of the gym or don't like being in a gym space, but people who can pick or choose home or gym would typically rather choose a gym. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. Emma? I agree with the above. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think things that helped me in lockdown, so obviously we all had to go through this in lockdown. The, the thing that helped me most actually was setting a timer and just doing it to the timer. So all I did, like if you Google like online timer, it'll come up on your screen, just the big countdown timer. And I was like, for 20 minutes, I'm going to work out. Or for half an hour, I'm going to work out whatever time I had. Because the one big... <clears throat> choking <clears throat> the one big thing that 
I think was a problem for me was getting distracted. I'd start something and then I'd be like, oh, but also the floor kind of needs to be or, oh my God, I've just remembered I need to send an email. And when, when you're at the gym, you're like, I'll send that when I get home. But when you're at home, you're like, oh, just quickly do this. And then someone will reply to something like, oh, well, I'll just do. And then before you know it, you're halfway through deciding that the whole EC method site needs to be redone right now in the middle of your workout. And like, that's basically how my mind works. So to kind of try and combat that, I set a timer and it was the same time every single day. And I do like, I get up, do whatever I normally do. Half seven every day, if people would go off, that's when you're doing your workout. This worked so, so well in lockdown because people didn't have that structure. So it was kind of like forced structure. But I would say like using a timer, the other thing I found really helpful and it was probably something to do with being injured and being limited as well, but not to make the workouts too complicated. So obviously you've got home workouts set by Chloe, but if there's like two or three that you really enjoy doing, just just stick to those. Like I can't emphasize enough like how overrated variety is when it comes to working out. Like you don't need to change them all the time. That makes the sort of decision fatigue or like the, oh, I've got to check the app to watch a video to see what I'm meant to be doing, to then go back and do the workout, to then come back. Like it all kind of muddles in and that can be a bit of a barrier as well and make the workout far less enjoyable. I don't even use the app while I'm working out. I just write it down. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to do it for 20 minutes. Or I'm going to do it for half an hour. I quite liked things like AMRAPs, like as many rounds as possible or yeah. a set time of circuit. So I do like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do five rounds of it. I've said that's what I'm going to do and that's what I'm going to do and just kind of tick it off and get it done. Um, but I would say I probably for like months did three, a variety of three home workouts just in a loop. And that was it. Because there were, again, like I was limited with the exercises I could do a little bit as well with back injury, but also like there's only so much you can do at home. And I, I would say actually it becomes even more detrimental to opt for excessive variety at home because actually, you know, you probably want some kind of squat in every single movement. If you start trying to get too creative with your squats, they just get stupid. Like a basic squat is probably the best version. You probably want a push up in there because when you're at home, like that's one of the best exercises you can do for upper body. Probably want some kind of core exercise, maybe something like a leg raise. Again, there are probably core exercises that give you bigger bang for your buck that we would program more often. And yeah, get it done and feel good about getting it done. Um, but I would say the main things there, try the timer thing, try setting a certain time of day and like maybe even having an alarm to go off to tell you to do it. Because again, at home, it's so easy to be like, I'll do that in half an hour or I'll put the, the uh, oven on to preheat or whatever. And then you're like, oh, well, dinner's ready now. And I couldn't possibly do it after dinner because I'm having digestion. And there's always like some reason not to do something or some reason to delay it. So be quite strict with yourself. Set a timer for, you know, whatever day it is that you're doing it and put that in. And I would say anyone that, I mean, I think a really good tip generally is to have like a Google calendar and whether that has like your work stuff in as well or not, like mine has everything in it but you'll also get a little notification being like Emma in, in uh, 10 minutes you're meant to do a workout so like get ready to do the workout like I got a notification 10 minutes before this live saying you're meant to do a live in 10 minutes does that mean that we're still 10 minutes late yes apparently it does <laughs> but still like for once in my life I was not not sending voices like I need to pee I need to get a drink both of which apply um, and I think all great tips. I actually really agree with Emma's tip about um, one thing that I do in terms of when I'm working out at home to make it have a bit more oomph. Emma's completely right. It's very easy to be distracted. 
is yeah, I changed a lot of the workouts to be AMRAP giant set type workouts. So then you're con you do not have a choice. You're constantly moving. It's back to back to back to back. Now I would say that if you're doing like a lower body workout and you typically have like um, you know, proper Olympic bars and bumper plates at home, switch that to Dutch, switch that to unweighted bar, for example, or dumbbells to allow you to do that kind of workout, get through it and do it well. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the times I'll do like a circuit of like shoulders, abs and treadmill treadmill for even if it's just walking on an incline or it could just be a really gentle jog jump off upper body giant set back on the treadmill for however many minutes jump off ab giant set jump on half an hour cyclical I do this on holiday as well because there is that element of like I want to get this done I want to get the fuck out of here because when you're in the gym you're like I could be here for an extra hour um I want to get this and I do that on holiday as well um giant sets lots of back-to-backs, lots of AMRAPs, and it does make the time, it doesn't give you an option, you have to get it done, and the time go, instead of being in there for an hour, you're in there for half an hour, and it's done. Agreed. Okay, anything on the live? Uh, no, we're good. Okay then. Tajal, what did you do the other day? Oh, your post the other day, I was very jealous. Ninja, Ninja Warrior. Yeah, like with the thing. And yeah, the thing. I could not do that. That's like, impressive. Like that is seriously impressive off the body. Like I can't. Oh no, I think I would get too too. Oh, hard. who? No. Who was it that posted today about doing a pull up? I'm gonna read it out because it was. It was incredible. Okay. Um, so you know. Oh, do you want to read it out first? I have to go to the bathroom. Kind of okay. Great. Work. You go to the bathroom. What are you going to do? I'll read this out. Okay, you'll have to be fast because after this I have nothing else to say. Anyway, this was Andrea and she's just done her first pull-up and I thought that she had some great take-homes from this. So she said, being able to shift my entire body weight makes me feel so strong. I just have to say, that is such an impressive feat, being able to lift your body weight up. Um... Although losing some fat over the past four or five months has obviously made dips and pull-ups easier, I have weighed less in the past and not been able to do either of them, and now I can do both. Progressing from bench dips to this used to feel impossible, and then suddenly one day it wasn't. So if you feel like you're, you'll never be able to do insert exercise, chuck that limiting belief, see what I did there, Emma, which is what she said, but whatever, doesn't work for it out, in the bin and just get at it, you'll, be, uh, you'll get there. I heard you... the last part of that and I loved it. I love that she's like, one day I couldn't and one day I could. Yeah. Gotta, I love that. And I think what like an excellent point this is as well is, yeah, okay. So obviously a pull-up is one of the most obvious strengths to body weight ratio exercises. Like if you're very heavy, no matter how strong you are, it's going to be hard to do a pull-up. But the fact yeah. that you have actually been lighter and unable to do a pull-up and now you can do a pull-up is like, the best predictor of body recomposition like you are stronger you've built more muscle and you can do a pull-up like that's yeah that's absolutely incredible agree i'm very very impressed i completely agree hello bertie (laughs) um okay so to gel hi gorgeous ladies it is my second round now i have been training four times a week with the gym workouts at home Getting in those steps, tracking my calories. I'm five foot one, 42 years old, and 141 LBs. I feel like I'm always going up and down by five to seven LBs. 
currently on the higher end. I have been since the end of December. And currently my goal is fat loss. I'm half thinking there's a lot more of this to come. I'm half thinking this might be a good post to get back to instead of read out on the live. But do you think I should keep going, Em? Um, you know, I know when they're, they're long and stat heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and I, I think there's a good like discussion point here because I think this will resonate with a lot of people that most people, when they've had successful weight loss, kind of do get stuck between like a range. And the reason for that, and a lot of people think that this is what set point is, and in some ways it is, but it's to do with your behaviors, right? There would have to be a significant shift in your behaviors to get past that lower range. Like you'll have to do something more than what you've ever done before to push yourself past that lower range. That's kind of what set point is. Like people tend to gravitate towards this range of weight because that's how much energy they're expending and taking in, basically. That's what their life balance kind of looks like. If you wanted to lose more than that, you kind of have to shift that. And there's that like extra gear that needs to be put in. And at this point, and we always come back to this, like you need to decide, is it worth it? Is it worth it to me to put in that level more effort to get past this sticking point? And this is a good example for Tajal because we know her pretty well by this point and she gets great results, but there has always been, like she's saying, that point where she never really gets past. And that's because it will take that bit more to get past that or what might be happening is that she gets to that point and then she kind of takes her foot off the gas a little bit instead of putting her foot on the like instead of moving up a gear she kind of just stays where she are where she is or even just like sits back a little bit um but I think that's really really common and and if you yeah if you want to push through that then I would sit back and I would redo sort of like the value work that we've had you do before. Like, is this important to me? At what cost does this come? Because normally it comes at a slightly higher cost in terms of the compromises that you might be making in other areas of your life. And you need to consider, is that what I want to do at the moment? Is that worth it for me? And actually what can be really, really freeing is being like, it's not. And now I can take off all of this pressure that I pile on myself all the time to try and get past this arbitrary 65 kilogram or whatever it was target and actually just accepting that it's not it's not actually that high on my priorities and then equally sometimes what happens when you do that which is just life isn't it but once you take the pressure off you're like huh actually I just needed a little bit more consistency and a little bit more patience and now I'm not telling myself that I have to do this thing it's actually a little bit easier to stick to these behaviors and over time maybe you do continue to improve your body composition. Yeah, I've read the whole post. It, it's quite long-winded. There's a few, well, there's a couple questions in there and add to that, there's a couple more things that as a coach I'd want to touch on with you, Shell. Um, so I've copied it and I've pasted it. And after this live, I'm going to I'll paste it into the, the group. I'll tag you in it and I'll do like, a, I'll do a reply for you because it's just, yeah, there's a lot of stats. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of background to it. And I want to I want to go through it properly with you um, in a post. Okay, Andrea, hi Clemma. What are your thoughts on buying aspirational clothing? Are you buying clothes that are currently too small, but that you're aiming to fit into by the end of your fat loss journey? I've never done this myself. I keep going back and forth on whether it seems like a good idea. I'd be very interested to hear opinions. Uh, I think it's a fucking terrible idea. Um, <laughs> like having a goal weight would be. Um, because it really feeds into negative self body image and hating yourself into change. 
And that is not how we, we want the end result to be. And, and the scales are worse because the, because what you weigh on the scales has, is a lot less reflective of your body composition than going on. I'd rather you did this than a scale weight. But I still don't want you to do this because essentially what, it, what it's doing is every step of the journey, it's telling you that you're not good enough until. You're not good enough until. And that is not how we go about inciting change in a A, enjoyable, B, maintainable way. Neither. Neither of those are going to happen. So we want you to really focus on getting fit, strong, happy and healthy and comfortable in your own skin. And a byproduct of that will be that you can wear a size 12 instead of a size 14 or a size 10 instead of a size 12, whatever it might be. Um, that's a byproduct. But the second that you give yourself that very surface arbitrary goal um, and you tell yourself you're not going to be good enough until you start to make the journey incredibly, uh, it, it's just riddled with self-loathing. Um, now that's not to say, and I say this all the time, I'm really pro physique goals. You know, I've, I've many times had fantastic results and enjoyable, um, kind of, I guess, photo shoot preps being like, I want to look like X, but never not once did I have a goal weight. Never. I had a rough idea of what my lean weight might be and a very, very set in stone acknowledgement and understanding that i that might not be what I weigh this time around. Um, and I had a set idea of how I wanted my physique to look, which was fun because it kind of dictated my training in the gym um, and really kind of helped me stay the course in the kitchen. Um, but no, in terms of fitting into a body that, and to be honest, I've been fucking shredded and never, I've never been a size six, never, because I don't have the bone structure or the shape to be a size six. And I've been very low body fat um, with muscles popping and veins on display and I've never been a size six. So if I'd given myself that, how shit would I feel after all that hard work and all that effort that I didn't quite get to a size six that I would never fit into because I don't have the bone structure or the build. So I just don't like it. One last caveat I will say is um, I do, I did, uh, my kind of lean body type weight size is typically a size eight. And when I went and did my first wedding dress measuring, I was like a big size 10. And I knew that I had six months to go and you only have X amount of fitting. So I just want to caveat this because I've had this conversation with so many clients before. You only have like two or three fittings. And I knew that I was going to get to that point. So I was like, just do that. And that's, that was a bit different. But yeah, those, that's my thoughts. Emma, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I think one of the problems is all clothes sizes are totally different. And actually they might not, yeah. I mean, buy, buy clothes that fit you who gives a shit what the label says or what size it says on the label like most people would probably think I'm a lower size than I am like I've never worn less than a size 10 up top because it's just uncomfortable I don't even have boobs I don't know what it is I must have like a uh, wide yeah. back but like I what... never wear a small top a small or size eight top I would feel like really self-conscious even when I'm really lean it's just not it's not right it just like do you know what it doesn't fit and that's fine because Clothes are meant to fit your body. You're not meant to fit into random sizes that someone's made out of a mannequin on the average woman, whatever the hell that is, which yeah. you're not because we're all different. We all have different lengths of bones and structures and body fat and where we store body fat and how much muscle mass we have. Like you're meant to be different. So when you like take a step back, it's like you're trying to conform into like fit into this tiny box that you don't fit into. And that's fine. You're not meant to fit into that box. So yes, it's not a good goal to have. I would also say that like what Chloe touched on about like waiting until you get to this point, this is something that we really try and hammer home on the EC method is that you're not waiting for anything. This is why diets don't work. You're not waiting until 
you know, you're technically a size eight at Zara to go on holiday and to fit into a bikini, or you're not going to allow yourself to wear this dress that you really, really like until you fit into that specific size. Like, no, live your life now, buy a dress that actually fits you. Nobody else apart from you knows what that size is. So who cares if you look good in it? Who cares? Or if you feel good in it, more to the point, who cares what the label says? So yeah, I really wouldn't look at dress sizes. And I mean, if you want to like see how ridiculous it is, if you just Google like different clothes sizes from like different um, brands, they're all so different anyway, that actually a size X in one shop is actually your quote unquote goal weight in or goal size in another shop anyway. So consider that as well. Like it's a pretty arbitrary goal. Yeah, especially with like online shopping. I mean, I don't understand, like some, yeah, especially jeans as well. Um, okay, anything on the live? No, babe. No, babe. Okay, then. Claire, hi, ladies. Firstly, thank you so much for everything that you both do for us. This is my first round of the EC method, but I've been following and listening to you both for such a long time now. And I'm so happy that I'm finally in the group with you lovely ladies. Ah. So quick question for me after listening to Monday's podcast. I was wondering what the main difference is any from a fat loss goal to a health and fitness goal. I know you said, Chloe, that you changed two of your clients over to this because fat loss just wasn't working for them. I'm wondering, is there a massive difference or if, is it all just about mindset? Thank you. I hope that makes sense, Claire. So typically when I do this with clients, it is solely mindset. It is a solely mindset shift um, with maybe some really small statistical uh differences or data point coaching differences um there is this thing i think some all women are different and i don't want to put all women into the same category because the thing that might really fuel emma and i to i don't know go to the gym that week is going to be polar opposite from what's going to fuel somebody else to go to the gym that week and it's always in flux so it can flip and flop and chip and change but i do tend to have clients who have been dieting their whole lives who are sick to fucking death of obsessing over their bodies, obsessing over their food intake, obsessing over their clothes size, um, who just get to a point where they're like, I'm sick of this. And what I don't want to happen is this is where not the intuitive eating um, that we've talked about before, which comes to the whole list of requirements and things that you have to do and boxes that you have to tick, but the gem pop um, interpretation of intuitive eating of, I'm sick and tired of dieting. I'm just gonna listen to my body and eat intuitively. And that a lot of clients can go down that path as a result of dieting fatigue. And what happens, and I know because I've had so many clients like this, I'm sure Emma has too, is that they gain a lot of weight in a very short space of time and they end up more unhappy in their own skin than they ever were before and feeling more cornered by quote unquote diet culture than they even did before. And it has the reverse effect. And we want to avoid this yo-yo at all costs. So what I'll do is I'll say, right, fuck it. We scrap the, the fat loss goal. That is not the goal. The goal now is that you are going to be the happiest, healthiest version of yourself. So instead of doing set, so that is first of all, this is a psychological shift. And then the, the coaching points will change too. Instead of doing 70K steps a week, just do 60. And I don't care how you do them, just do 60K steps a week for health, basic health and fitness, it's taking care of yourself, it's taking care of your future, it's ensuring your future health. Do it. Instead of doing four workouts in the gym every week, I just want you to do three and pick any that you like. It can be any workout. It can be a swim. It can be a blaze pass. It can be a weightlifting session. Anything you enjoy. So they're staying fit, active and healthy, but they have freedom to choose how they do this. And with diet, I would say, okay, instead of doing, you know, um, 15, 1600 calories, 
let's um, come up a little bit and I want you to start having an untracked meal every two to three days so that they're keeping an eye on their food intake but I'm slowly going to start to bleed in a more quote-unquote normal relationship with food socializing diet and they can go out and eat and not track and not be healthy not be unhealthy just eat um, and what tends to happen when you take all this pressure off and you start to bleed in a little bit more freedom as well so they also feel like they're getting more time back in their day or their week or their social life and the focus is different, is that fat loss then happens as a byproduct. And that's always what we want initially anyway, but some women have had such a tainted history with body image and diet that they're not gonna get there by being told, hey, I'm, the, the goal is fat loss, but this is really flexible. They're just gonna be like, ah, oh, the goal is fat loss, the goal is fat loss, and it just, it storms. So yes, that is why I do it and how I do it. And I tend to find it has a, a near 100% our success rate. <laughs> Um, I'd say that's generally how we approach things right there's this a huge yeah. negative connotation that people have with dieting rightly so with diet culture and like whenever they hear fat loss they also hear over restriction unemployment for a set period of time that I'm gonna have to put my life on hold like all these negative connotations that come with it and I don't think we I mean we talk about this a lot but I don't think as an industry we appreciate enough how important the mindset coming into this is like if you expect those things those things will happen if yeah. you can shift the focus to health and fitness and if you can show something like there's incredible stats around that if you never lose any body fat but you start exercising from not doing exercise you are doing the world of good for your health and as Chloe's mm -hmm. saying what's quite nice actually is if you focus on these like healthy behaviors what tends to happen as byproducts without even thinking about it is, is better food choices as well like you've gone to the gym so you're more likely to choose a salad over a burger at lunchtime and then you're yeah. like, oh, I kind of want to fuel my gym session. So you're like, oh, I know that I should be getting in protein because that's going to help me build muscle. And you make these choices almost like effortlessly. And I guess it's the difference between like viewing this approach as you're coming to us because we want you to thrive generally in life or you're approaching a diet. And the way that people see diet is like, I'm going to survive on as little calories as possible. And that's like the big mindset shift there. I think when it comes to, if you're talking about like, fat loss versus health and fitness the way I see it is your big overarching goal and your big overarching value is health and fitness now at certain times of your journey let's say if you're in an overweight BMI then part of that goal for health might be fat loss at the time but it's still the same outcome that you're looking at you're still in line with that value of health and fitness which is your overarching value and at different times that will, might mean fat loss and at different times that might mean maintenance and I think that being in line with that stops you over dieting as well because there will become a point where you're like okay well my goal is health so you know for a long period of time maybe or a short period of time but for a period of time fat loss improves my health now yeah. I'm in a healthy BMI it no longer improves my health to lose body fat so then you change that goal and that's how we work like you have this overarching this is my why this is my value this is what's important to me and these are my goals at the moment and then they will change depending on when you hit them or what life throws at you or various other things. But as long as they're in line with that overarching value, that's what's important. So I would say that's generally how we approach things. And, and I think this is something that we're going to do. And we, we do at the start of every round. But again, for the next round, just reiterating that, like, this is how you need to be approaching this process. Because one of the key reasons that people who come to us like have failed on so many diets before or the diets have failed them or the approaches failed them but it's mindset 
It's not that your calories are 50 calories wrong. It's not that you were eating slightly too many carbs. It's because you came out of this expecting like over restriction, looking for over restriction, expecting it to be hard, expecting it to be a slog. It's telling yourself that you have to do this, not that you get to do this. Like it's such a different mindset and that's what gets you results. So yeah, yeah. we'll reiterate that on the, the welcome live, but good, a good point. Yeah, a good point and a good question. All right, anything on the live? No. Oh, Rhea. Rhea's back. I'll always remember Rhea, and I don't know why, for the vegan question and the protein question. I have no idea why. Good memory. I know. Um, hey, ladies, I hope you're well. I'm still absolutely loving this program and the whole process. I had a question following Chloe's Instagram post, re-speed or fat loss? I'm trying to remember the post, but I don't remember it. Uh, we speed of fat loss and that a slower fat loss phase plus resistance training. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You can actually gain muscle um, versus maintaining or losing it in a faster fat loss phase. I wondered that if we are realistically aiming for a minimum of three sessions a week, plus all of our other non-negotiables, what the net position of weight lost would be. E.g., say in a week I lost one LB on the scales, what could you assume to be fat loss and what could you assume to be muscle maintained or muscle gained? Are we talking a few grams over time? It's interesting as I'm definitely shrinking in all my measurements and my photos, but I'm only four LBs down on the scales, but really it feels like a lot more. Sorry if this is a long, rambling, confusing post, lol. Um, okay, so the, the answer is it's completely and utterly impossible for emma and i to tell you that if you've lost one to two to three to four pounds in a week or a fortnight in a month what ratio of water food volume fat fat body fat or muscle mass that is we cannot tell you we cannot quantify that and it's not um Our bodies all act and respond completely differently in, in an hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month um, comparison as, um, you know, everybody's body does who's already got a very similar body composition, let alone two completely different ends of the spectrum. It's completely unpredictable. What we can say is that if you are in a very savage, okay, right, I'm going to try to do this really quickly and, and just try and make it really black and white and not so complicated. If you are in a very savage fat loss phase and you are not getting in your resistance training and or your protein, you have just flawed calories and you know, you're know you a cardio bunny or neither, you're not even moving, um, we can predict that you will have a, a good percentage of uh, muscle loss um, alongside your fat loss. Now you start to hedge your bets a lot better if you do a savage fat loss phase, but your resistance training four or five days a week, you're getting in you know, two grams of protein per kg of lean mass. You're making sure to spike muscle protein synthesis um, via 20 to 40 grams of, of protein. So you get your leucine in every three to five hours. We know that it is possible that you might lose a little bit of muscle mass. It's also possible that you might maintain um, your muscle mass as you lose body fat. Now, we know that if you are doing ticking all the boxes, as I've just said, and um, you are doing a slower rate of loss, so you are not flooring calories for three months or six months, 
um, but you are you are taking your time with it and you're kind of gradually gradually allowing your body uh, to lose to lose mass by ideally by a body fat um, and slowly bringing your calories down to match what will be new a new deficit for you at different points as you become a smaller person that you can maintain muscle mass and there is also research to show and again this is typically an athletes elite athletes you could actually also potentially gain muscle mass but that study has been done in a very very niche bracket um, which is actually really nice because most of the niche brackets are obese brackets but anyway it proves it's possible um but what is the most likely where on the spectrum do you fall number one also how new to lifting are you what was your body fat what was your body composition ratio when you went into it you're much more likely to be in a deficit and gain muscle mass if you're a brand spanking newbie and you're doing it all properly than you are if you've been lifting for 10 years um what what was your start point what was your body composition how are you doing this how are you training what is your protein intake how much have you flawed your calories how patient are you being with yourself all of these will affect the, the, the mass that you lose, maintain, and or gain during uh, any phase of your life. <laughs> Did I try? I tried so hard to keep that black and white. It, it was good. I, um, ugh, I was trying to find a percentage thing that I did ages ago but it is pretty freaking irrelevant and it just yeah. shows like the likely percentage of what makes up one pound of weight loss on the scales I mean it's mostly a combination of water body fat and a little bit of lean tissue again but the lean tissue completely depends on the situation that you're in um and I think there was a relatively yeah lean tissue isn't all body isn't all muscle mass yeah a lot of people hear lean tissue and they go oh that's muscle mass say no no lean tissue is all tissue in the body that is not fat mass so just also bear that in mind. Sorry to interrupt you, Emma. Karen. No, no, yeah, that's absolutely a good point. Um, and it's very hard for scientists or researchers to distinguish between lean tissue and muscle mass. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's quite a lot of research that shows that you can build muscle in a deficit. Yeah. You can, but it, again, as it, exactly as Chloe said, it depends on the situation that you're in and you can't possibly say as a blanket term, yes, you can, or no, you can't. And if you're more, if you're a more experienced lifter and your recovery is not exactly on point and yeah, like you're in a pretty severe deficit, it's very unlikely that you're building muscle and mm. losing body fat at the same time. But if you're, you know, if you're relatively new to exercise and you have a lot of body fat, then yeah, you absolutely are. And the thing is like, I wouldn't question it too much. Like you clearly are. I think we get questions like this quite a lot. Like basically this is happening could this be happening? Like, yes, it is. You're proof that it's happening. Like you are, you've not lost a, a huge amount of weight, but you're way leaner and you feel better and you look better and you're stronger. That would indicate to us you've lost body fat and you've built muscle at the same time. Like th there's nothing more that you, you don't need to overthink it. And I get that this is, it sounds like it was a bit more of like a hypothetical question and it's an interesting discussion to have, but yeah, that is what has happened. I wouldn't overthink it. I would just be like, this is great. Like if anything, it's better than having lost more weight. If that, if that means that you've been able to maintain or build some muscle mass. Oh yeah. Emma made it a lot more, lot more open and shut black and white than me. Shock, shock. She always said, I love to say a thousand words for someone will do and Emma just fucking nails it. But exactly that. The answer is, can you build muscle in a deficit? Yes. Can you maintain muscle in a deficit? Yes. Can you lose muscle in a deficit? Yes. 
Where are you? How green are you? How much water lifting are you? What is your body composition right from the off? This is why I said in the other live, it's actually was really surprising to me that a lot of the studies that show that people gained this muscle whirly athletes, because from my common knowledge of the situation, I'd be like, oh, those are the people that I would expect. But then on the other side of it, common sense would be like, well, they know what they're fucking doing. And if they've got a goal, if they've been told that this is the study is, so it's not a blind study, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but, like, I'm quite surprised by it. Because I doubt, like, I doubt being in a study makes an elite athlete train any harder. No, it doesn't. Like, they're already up there on the motivation level. They're already doing all the right things. So I'm quite surprised that they built in a deficit unless they were also taking gear. Oh, yeah. And that's a very good point. Although, I know there's no way in hell they would have even fucking published that study if that was even a question. Hopefully. Yeah, but I mean, who's which elite athletes are honestly saying that they take, you can't, you can't be honest about it, even though we know that a lot of them do. So but then, I don't know. But it is all possible. And I think, you know, I definitely had a couple of questions off the back of that being like, you can't lose, you know, I typically for men actually, it's 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 impossible that I would lose, you know, 10 pounds in a calorie deficit and none of it would come from muscle. It's like, no, no, that's not impossible. It is possible. What you're asking is for who? For you and where are you at? Like versus for, like again, and I, I think I even said this, yeah, I put this in the post yesterday versus a brand spanking newbie can 100% get simultaneous uh, body composition in terms of fat loss and muscle gain happening at the same time for up to a year. It can absolutely happen. Um, so it's very, very nuanced, but it's, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting topic. And there are no definitive yes or no's to questions like that. Um, but also, and this is the take home point, it does not matter because yeah. no matter what, we're training you like we're programming you in a way that's going to give you the best opportunity to build muscle and lose fat at the same time like if that's your goal so whether that happens or not you're still you're either going to be in the best position to maintain the muscle that you have or hopefully you're building a little bit but there's nothing that we would change based on the information that you're not building muscle do you know what I mean like there's no there's no difference there so it doesn't really matter it's like you train as if you are and hopefully you do there's no changes to be made. Exactly. There was one more, one other bit, Rhea, to your question about gaining how much muscle can you expect to gain. There is a really interesting study on this actually in mass, which I know Emma subscribes to as well, um, which gives you like a rough estimate of give or take every X or Y. And I, I think it's, um, I think it's every kind of, micro cycle which would be every what like four weeks anywhere up to like a, a, a pound and a half for a newbie which would come down like or just under just shy of which would come down to just a shy of a pound and again I think this is every like four to eight weeks um just shy of a pound for intermediates and just shy of 0.5 pounds for um for advanced but that's your best bet your app also I don't want to don't want to piss on this but yeah. you could pretty much cut that in half for women 100%. if not more like well, I don't know what the, the numbers are for women like I, I did a post on this ages ago and sometimes I still share it but it's quite old data now um and like it's way way less for women and again like this is probably true for the ability to maintain lean tissue in a deficit or lean muscle in a deficit like if you've got testosterone flying around at a much higher rate or a higher level you can maintain more in deficit so just be careful like when you're extrapolating stuff from these studies like 
is that person actually similar to me or is this study group actually similar to me was it done on women the likelihood is no because most research isn't done on women and you know was it done yeah was it done on elite athletes like does that translate to me am I an elite athlete or was it done on collegiate males which is usually who these studies are done on um and is that applicable to me as a perimenopausal woman like it might be it might not be it might be interesting but it's probably not directly applicable brilliant point absolutely fantastic and important caveat as well to throw in there but yes um but what I'm saying is that you can see let's just say let's just say you're an optimal bodybuilder or you have a coach who is the best bodybuilding coach in the world and you are as Emma said a collegiate male a hundred percent the best thing you can hope for is every four to eight weeks that 1.5 per month is a newbie that would drop to and just shy of just shy of one pound per month every four to eight weeks is an intermediate just shy of 0.5 per month as an as an uh advanced um or mature weightlifter exactly as emma said brilliant slash that way down if you're a female um but that should give you a really good idea of how different you know the response to that question is based on just one factor which is how long have you been training just two factors are you a male or a female just three factors how old are you it's impossible to give you a black and white answer to be honest yeah okay (sighs) anything on the live it's very quiet today where is everybody? I'm like, I imagine them. We know that Cam Chan's here, so we know we're in the right group. Yeah, I know. Um, I was thinking, if no one else had commented, I'd be like, we're in the wrong group. No, we're in the right group. I had to go out this morning, and the road, like, they're literally like, guys, don't travel tomorrow. Well, I mean, I'm in an amber zone. A lot of the UK is in a red zone. But then I think south, I don't know. Anyway, you never know. Everyone on the EC method has been blown away. There's so many trees down though, even around us, like it's mad. Okay. Excuse me. Laura Sanders. Hi, lovelies. I know you can't. <laughs> I haven't even got to the whole question, but I'm just hoping. That wait, wait, wait. Go. Let me guess. <laughs> I know you can't spot reduce fat, but I'm just wondering if there's anything I can do to lose the excess fat on my bum. I know you can't spot reduce fat, <laughs> but I have cankles. <laughs> oh, close. Um, is there anything I can do? <laughs> is there anything I can do? I'd love it if there was a cankles exercise. Um, is there anything I can do to help with their appearance? Or do you think this is purely down to genetics? I very rarely wear anything that doesn't cover them up and I'm very self-conscious of them. I always teased, oh, when I was 14 about them. For context, I'm five foot seven, 160 LBs and a size eight to 10. Laura. Okay, we need to get rid of this cankles thing. First of all, nobody is noticing your ankles but you. Second of all, I think when you have, when you start to develop a complex about something, believe me, in your head, it is a thousand times worse than the basic reality of it, which nobody's gonna notice anyway. Um, and it is a hundred percent genetic. There isn't, I mean, if you have got thick ankles, I don't even, I don't want to call them cankles, you know, from <laughs> as a coach, if you've got thick, um, ankles, it could be bone structure. It could be 
water retention. It could be so many things. And I really, really think you need to start to work on letting this go. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if it's been since you've been 15, like it's certainly, I mean, also you're lean. Like it's got nothing to do with the amount of body fat that you have. And it sounds like it's just part of the way that you're structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've all got stuff, weird stuff. Like, I say this all the time. I've got the world's biggest rib cage. <laughs> Sometimes when I see photo, like old photos of Pamela Anderson, I'm like, oh, thank God, because she's got the world's biggest rib cage as well. And that's Pamela fucking Anderson. So I'm like, okay. It's yeah, fine. do you know what? You are quite similar. I'm exactly like her. <laughs> yeah. So many similarities. I'm obsessed with Pamela Anderson. I'm so excited for this new, um, is it on Netflix or Amazon? No, I think it's on Disney Plus. I think Disney Plus have done a Pam and Tommy um, thing with what's her name? Lily James, <laughs> the husband stealer. I'm joking. I'm saying that because that's what everyone else calls her. <laughs> I don't even know who she is, so it's fine. Obviously, you don't. You don't even, you probably don't even know who Tommy is of Pam and Tommy. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but you know who Pamela Anderson is. So we're. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, yeah, that, that level. Um, okay. Right, I'm not even going to keep asking if there's anything on the live. Just interrupt me. If yeah, babe, is. if there is, I'll tell you. I know, right? I'm like, every time I do one of these, I don't go back to you and you're just like, no. <laughs> no. Sarah, you know, Sarah keeps tagging us and posting, you just keep getting there first. I'm like, at this point, she's just going to think I'm a moot coach. But every single time i'm just like emma you've always given her such good answers or am i nothing to add to this sarah hi girls before i go on a long rambling post can i please just start by saying thank you so much just really thank you for this place oh i'm enjoying doing more for my body by controlling what i eat and celebrating what i can do with it my mind is also having a really nice rejig as well oh so I used to do home body weight workouts and I loved them. But I asked the group about a possible switch because of a knee thing. I can't afford a gym membership at the moment. So for the past week, I've been doing home weights. Can I check more about the amount that I should be lifting to failure? I haven't felt that my weights are heavy enough. I think we've answered this in a post, but I'm going to do it anyway, just in case. I might have my answer. So here's what I have at home. 6 kg kettlebell, a dumbbell set ranging from 1 kg to 2.5 kg. Yeah, that's not going to do it. A bar with this weights, I think they're 2.5 and I have six of them. Hang on. 15 kg total. Um, I'm fairly strong on back exercises and squats and I feel I should be really cranking it up. I just wanted to get the most out of the workouts. Thank you. Sarah, thank you for your message. I love the fact that you're like, can't afford a gym membership, so I'm going to get some weights in at home. I love the fact that you're like, I really want to make the most out of this. What can I do? I just think you're just lovely and brilliant. Um, yeah, look, guys, it is a sad reality that um, when you're at home doing home-weighted workouts, you likely can't afford to have a huge variety to choose from like you can in a gym. Um, and if a lot of the time you don't have the right structure to lift that heavy, like not that many people have a squat rack, do you know what I mean? Or a dumbbell platform, you know, you can't, it's, it's, it's difficult, um, to even just do the exercise without the help of a gym. Now, 
what I would suggest to you, Sarah, is that you invest in some heavier dumbbells for your lower body. Um, so maybe like a, a couple 20k, maybe a couple of 18 kg dumbbells, or a couple of 20 kg dumbbells to really help doing a goblet squat um, will really help you um, with um, hitting failure on your lower body. And then if you were to do like, I don't know, really to start with maybe two 14 kgs to do some RDLs would be fa fantastic. You could definitely use those squat numbers as well to hip thrust um, and really focus on form. Um, and then when it comes to your upper body, maybe just getting a couple of fours as a beginner would be good for shoulders. Um, yeah, you don't need a lot, but you need more than what you've got to hit failure properly. Emma? Yeah, the, the only thing I would add, and like, I love your approach of, do you know what, this is the situation I'm in, what's the best I can do with it? If you can't afford dumbbells at the moment, like don't think that that means you can't get any results at all. Like we can absolutely work around things that just might mean doing um, higher reps. The other thing is you've got an injury at the moment, like let's prioritize getting that knee better. Cause at the moment you probably don't want to overload lower body anyway. And there's sure. probably a load of rehab things that you could be doing with your, like for your knee to make sure that we prioritize this time is to make sure that your knee is tip top shape and then we can kind of overload stuff going down the line. Um, but yeah, we think that you are fantastic, excellent mindset. And please don't see that as like a limiting, like you can absolutely get phenomenal results at home. Even if you don't have that much equipment, there's always a way around it. It just might mean that you need to do slightly more reps or that we need to do some other things to help you kind of fatigue the bigger muscle groups um before we go chloe you may remember there was a blip with my pt hub which told everyone two minutes after they signed up that their package was cancelled why <laughs> why like what anyway obviously i emailed them they didn't get back to me and then I emailed them again and they said the fix has been done just waiting to test and release Assuming everything provided is okay, it will be early next week. How does it take you that long to turn off an email that's saying that things have been cancelled? Anyway, if anyone signed up and then has got a cancellation email or has got two emails, which happens every single round, which I complain about every single round, there you go. Do you think they still want to sponsor the podcast? No. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, Not after that. <laughs> yeah, but fucking fair play. Like, sort it out. Do you know what? So it's. I had, I had a few people be like, who bought a plan on my website, which is pretty much dormant at this stage because everything else happened. Um, a couple of people who bought a plan on my website inside of a week be like, hey, every time I download it, it tells me the download isn't possible. I fixed it in two days. This is me, little old me, and a techie guy who I asked to help me with fix. I don't understand why every single time we tell them there's a problem, a year and a half later, there's still a, the same problem. This is why I keep stuff mega simple. Like, it, I mean, yesterday we were like, we need to change the date of the start date because it means that it's after payday and a lot of people can't sign up till payday. Cool. It took me three seconds to change the website because I don't have a fancy WordPress site. It's just a Google site and you can just go in and change it. And it's so simple. We don't need to email someone being like, hi, web person, could you change the date on this? It's just like, it's just done. No one's yeah. coming to us for a fancy website. They're coming for coaching. Like the rest of it, like it's a normal it's not a great website but it has all that it needs and it allows it's people to sign up yeah, like it's, 
what it needs to do. And the thing is, is that Je- I, I have this rant to James all the time and he finally is like on my wavelength now. He just had what had it on his last podcast. Like automation has fucked everything and everyone's sitting there moaning and complaining about immigration, immigration, immigration. It's, it's not immigration that's taken all the jobs. It's automation that's taken all the jobs. First of all, and then look what happened when everyone was so fucking clever and was like, Brett, you know what? I, I shouldn't go down this road but decided to do something that they shouldn't have done. And now there's no jobs and there's no hospitality because no one in the UK wants to do these jobs. And all of a sudden we're left holding our dick um, without the amount of staff that we need left, right and center because of fucking Brexit. So it's just ridiculous. It's just utterly, utterly ridiculous. Anyway, it's the worst when you go to airports and you're like, hang on, hang on, hang on. You've just created these automatic, literally, this is me to James. And James is finally like, he articulated it so much better than me on the website. This is me every time we go to an airport. You make us queue to use these automatic check-in machines to then go to the normal place where we would normally queue to check in. But the queue's longer now because there aren't enough people serving the customers to get to the front to then recheck in just for your bag though, but you still have to show them your, what well, they print out your boarding pass. You show them your passport, you give them your bag, they check it in. So now we've just queued up, we've doubled our time all because what we're making it quicker. They, and there's, there's a lot of people out there who would apparently want the jobs because you know everyone else is taking them to come in and do it. So where are the people? Where, where's everyone in hospitality? Why is there five people in a, working in a hotel now where there used to be 55 people if everybody desperately wanted these jobs that were being taken from them. The jobs are still there and nobody's going for them, but we've shot ourselves in the foot because everybody got it fucking wrong. <sighs> yeah, and do you know what? Self-service. Self-service checkouts, the worst. Still have to, you end up having to go back to the normal check-in anyway. It's like, excuse me this year, you're just going to have to get, like also the, the passport control. Oh no, no, I'm really happy that we made this easier so that I still queued 20 minutes to get to the automatic gate that would open, which now you can't even use in most countries anyway, because now we're out of the EU. And you go in to use it, it's like, oh no, this one's broken. You have to queue over there now. What the fuck? I just queued over here and now I have to go queue over there too. Why didn't I just queue there in the first place? Because you have that passport. What are you, what are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> Right, and at that moment, we're going to finish the live because I have another call. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay, bye.